Hey. Hey. It's Paul. And Trina. And welcome back for Head Boss in Charge. Right. Um, I will kick off, Paul. How you bossing this week? Girl, I'm bossing just fine. Actually, really fine. Um, I've been having a really great past couple weeks. Um, work has been great in terms of some of these challenges I've been facing organizationally are I'm getting the support I need. Things are going really well. Um, personal life is going well, too. Um, I had a fantastic weekend celebrating um, my friend my friend Ashley's wedding, um, someone that I met professionally, actually, at a conference. Oh. And we uh, our friendship kind of just blossomed from there. So it was neat to um, be with her for that. Um, and yeah, I'm also just getting back into my creative process, um, getting back into dancing and um, I need to start preparing some uh, concept videos. Um, I want to start putting some choreography together and music and all of that. So okay. um, I'm just, I feel, I don't know, I just feel back in a really good positive place right now and I feel energized to kind of tackle some of these new um, initiatives that I'm trying to start. Okay. Um, well, I am good as well. Um, a tinge on the, I won't even say stress because that's a probably a little overdramatic, but um, uh, I just have a lot to do in a short amount of time to do it in. And I'm preparing for a pretty big trip. And with that comes getting all the work shit done and making sure that I'm not going to feel the weight of that going with me on the trip. Um, but work is going fine. I mean, there's still elements of my job that I don't like. Um, which I make no secret about to my supervisor, so should she plan to listen, that's not a secret. Um, but there's certainly elements of it that I like it or and or love. Um, so I try to make sure I balance in my mind out how that how that's going to play out each day. Um, but overall, pretty good. Just my routine is about to be interrupted for a week, so I'm like getting my mind ready for that interruption. But I'm also planned and prepared for it. So in that sense. My anxiety is a little bit lower because I've got the things planned that I need to. So um, overall, good. Friends are good. Uh, life is moving along. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i glad we're both kind of feeling this way on the same page. And I, I have to like say this out loud is I remember you telling me that there's something happening with Saturn um, like a couple months ago when I was feeling like, Oh, when really Mercury low. was in retrograde. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I mean, I, I'm i not an astrologer, and we could I could be saying this wrong, but there was something in retrograde, right? Mm -hmm. And it really matched the timeline of when I was going through this really dark place professionally. And you, I remember you clearly saying that, oh, yeah, I read somewhere it's supposed to end around September 22nd mm -hmm. or something like yeah. that. And mind you, the week of the September 22nd, I think that well, it fell in the middle of the week. Yeah, probably. That's when things started, like, I started seeing the light, so to speak, mm -hmm. and things started feeling better, the pressure, the anxiety I was feeling mm -hmm. about my professional uh, career path was, yeah, coming out of the dark. It was really strange timing. Yeah, or it was Mercury coming out of retrograde. <laughs> um, the other thing that happened that I don't know a ton about, but now this is going to spark me to do, to actually take some notes, which I'm not great at. Um, for the next time we have a show is so at the beginning of September we had a new moon so I think it was a full moon yes and this past Friday we just had a black moon because it happened in the same month what is a black moon I kept seeing that on um, social media. I don't fully know but I think it's so I don't know that we could see the moon on that night 
I can't remember back. I, I forgot to go like outside and look up in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about, and it only happens um, like every 36 or so months that you have a new moon and a black moon in mm-hmm. the same month. Um, and this is that month. And I don't think it's supposed to happen again until 2019. Oh, okay. um, but there's a whole bunch of like ritual stuff. But this this new moon bringing us into, or this black moon bringing us into October is supposed to help you be able to examine, or I guess spark the ideas of examining like um, friendships and reevaluating those, work relationships, um, creative processes and whatnot. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that is supposed to kind of like be sparked as of um, Friday night, Saturday morning into starting into October moving um, through the next few months. So mm. I will do some research on that um, and bring some thoughts back because I certainly saw for myself that kind of communication being all mm-hmm. and then it gets like stuff starts to clear up and you're like, okay, like you said, you can see the light and things start to become clear and you start to make sense of things that were muddled yeah. or a little fuzzy before and you're like, oh, it's like somebody, you know how like when you get an eye exam and they like one or two and one is always typically the clear one you're back to the one like Mm -hmm. things are starting to become more clear relationships are starting to make a little bit more sense um that doesn't mean that they're going in the right way they're going in the wrong way they're just starting to make be more clear um your communication is starting to be a little bit more clear um your creative thinking is starting to like your wheels are starting to turn in that way Mm -hmm. so yeah um, and that's been some really interesting stuff that i've been reading um but like i said i'll bring some stuff uh specific about um mercury moving out of retrograde and Mm -hmm. then um, the Black Moon stuff from the end of September and how that's yeah. supposed to play out. And I'd also be curious to know how that aligns with uh, birth year, um, both your, um, I think they call it your sun sign and your moon sign. So I'm in Aries, that's mm-hmm. right. And then um, I don't know what the other one is. And then also aligning it with age because also mm-hmm. like the age you are based off of who you were born, certain things mm-hmm. happen as well. So yeah, maybe that can be a, a future... Yeah, I will let you kind of, like, look into (laughs) that that sun-moon sign business. Um, But, yeah, I think that that stuff is, like, super interesting. Um, Shoot, I was just going to say something else. Maybe it'll come to me a little bit later around that kind of same uh, vein of, oh, the random, NASA, I want to say it was NASA. Uh, This is a total side note, Um, uh, not fit into any particular segment that we have. But they were supposed to be, like, um, realigning the astrological signs. Did you see this? No. Where, I know, and I was like, this is bullshit because it makes me no longer a Virgo. So then I just ignored the whole thing. Right. Um, I think it made me a Leo. But it moved the dates around. Like, uh, the dates were like, a Virgo, for example, didn't start until like September 15th or the 26th. And it went like through most of uh, October. Mm-hmm. So it, it basically pushed you back a sign. So whatever, what's your sign? Aries. So whatever the sign is before, it would have pushed you back into that sign that's right before yours. That why would we change? And it, it added now? a thirteenth one. This is stupid. It's I don't stupid. believe it. I'm going to reject it personally. It hasn't gotten much traction, but apparently it happens every like decade or so. That NASA, I'm like NASA, what are you doing? They come up with this like the astrological signs and dates have changed. And this is the 13th one. So are they expecting Beyonce to rewrite her lyrics to signs? No, like you can't no. just take a classic song like that and just no. Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, Aries. That's no. how I remember the signs. I sing wow. I sing that song. Wow, I know to Beyonce. So early. <laughs> um, yeah. But so, yeah, that's it's that's weird. Really weird. It hasn't gotten a lot of traction, but I've seen it pop up on different people I follow on Twitter and they're like, Yeah, we're not doing this. And I was like, Me neither. So y'all can keep this. 13th sign business. Yeah, you can have it. All that to say, overall, I'm doing pretty well.
Alright, so we are here for water cooler talk. Yes, indeed. And a topic that we want to discuss is the idea of faking it till you make it, which is a very common idiom expression that I think peers, friends, colleagues, we toss around all the time. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know if this is a generational um, expression, but a lot of times I'll we'll just joke around about, yeah, like, I got through that test, like, fake it till you make it, right. or um, even even interact <laughs> by, <laughs> by, right, the by the grace of God. So let me just let that go. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, dates, and I, I just hear that term all the time about faking it till you make it, and I, I want to dive deep and dissect that statement a little bit about are we really the experts at everything, or are we... Do we really know everything when we claim to know everything? Or even people mm-hmm. that we we trust to know everything okay. in a certain area. Do, yeah. Is that even true? Um, I am under the mind frame, I think, um, and I, I'm going to say this definitively, and I don't mean it as definitively as it sounds. Um, I don't think any of us knows everything about anything, if that makes sense. Um, even the people who we assign the title, like we quote unquote society assign the title of like knowing everything. They don't know. Every- Clearly they don't know everything. Um, they may just be better at um, creating the narrative that makes us think that they know so much mm. that we should just, you know, surrender to them and their knowledge base. I like you that. Know? Creating so, the narrative. Yes. I've been working on that, that particular phrase a lot. Yeah. recently. Also just sidebar, like the word narrative, like creating the narrative, taking myself out of the narrative. I blame Taylor Swift or who in that whole oh. debacle like everyone uses that word now oh. like because they've heard it and so everyone talks about the narrative because Taylor Swift said she wanted to take herself out of the narrative between oh you, yeah anyways I, I digress know Taylor Swift is, yeah because you know the yeah. whole Kim Kardashian and oh Kanye they're West, playing the tape thing. they played the tape on Snapchat oh. anyways uh I totally think of that in a very nerdy like assessment kind of way as I try to like <laughs> prove to my boss's boss that my budget I need to create a narrative that says we need right. more staff oh, it's um, such a common uh, it's just very typical lingo in the uh, work setting but no I t- actually really agree with that is it's two way street I think we some the person who's in the role right and mm-hmm. is trusted with this expertise it's their job to create that narrative to really <laughs> trick people, right? The narrative. Okay. The narrative to trick people and trick for, you know, that can also be um, an op- the operative word, but uh, tr- trick people into really believing and trusting in their skills. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think uh, if we think of the outgroup, the outgroup also creates the narrative for themselves because if this is the only person you have to rely on mm-hmm. To get this job done because it affects your work, then yeah, you're gonna trust them until they prove you wrong. Yeah, um, I think there's it's a duality right there, um, as osmosis of effect, yeah. if you will, in terms of that narrative that we create and just because of someone's title. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, first of all, I'm gonna count how many times you now say narrative, um, <laughs> but I do think we we work hard to convince um, other people that we know what we're talking about. Like in anything, and that's, that that jumps outside of the realm of work. Like if I, I have, um, I guess I don't even know if it's feedback that's been shared with me, but people say sometimes that I will speak in a way that's like, like I know what I'm talking about because I say it in a bit of a definitive manner. Like I say it with a level of confidence that people are like, well, this bitch must be right. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Well, no, I just, I have a belief in what I say. So I'm going to say it in a way that it's, I'm going to convince myself. Cause if I'm, if I say everything with an upward inflection at the end, like it's a question, like I don't know, and I'm waiting for your approval or a cosign, then that, that feels weird to me. Like apparently I've always done it. But are, you, are you not conscious of it? Not really. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And I'm trying to, I, I thought a while about, uh, I thought about this a few days ago and I was like, I wonder where I learned that. And then I just let the idea go. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think certainly we, we kind of surrender to people who say that they're the expert at something, um, or that they, um, they do this really well. And we're like, well, maybe we don't do it. So that's why I don't do it well. Cause I, I don't do it. I did it once and I was like, mm, not for me. So right. we just say, well, then you're the expert. Show me. Yeah. Um, and I can think, think of at least one other facet in my world of my, another facet in my life where I get like, um, people look to me for like this knowledge base and to be an expert. But if I if you had any other thoughts before I jump into that, uh, I was kind of switch not completely switch gears, but give another example uh, behind this concept. I, I think originally, I think this expression has a negative connotation to it. But I actually think of the faking it till you make it as a a tool, a craft. It's not to. It kind of sounds deceptive in a way, but uh, if you think about as long as you're being honest to yourself and being honest to the, the goal that you're trying to produce, I think there's it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give an example about... Um, uh, this happens a lot in the arts and entertainment industry uh, because that is an industry where you really don't need to... I mean, it will help to go to school and get a degree in acting or um, music. Well, yeah, music and uh, um, anything in like maybe the design world. But um, a lot of times people will find self-training. They won't go to a college or school. Maybe they'll take a couple workshops here and there. And then to get on the fast track, a lot of the times it's faking it till you make it. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not have the experience written on paper, but you try to... Um, you know, I, I'll use the example of acting, uh, in a yeah. way, it's, right. It, it's, kind of, it's, it's a little meta if you think about it, but the whole point of acting is to yeah. <laughs> act, right? Like something else. And at the same time, you're kind of acting like you know how to act, right? Mm-hmm. And there, there's a little bit of, um, a, you have to walk into that room with that confidence, not show any kind of doubt. That's a little bit of the faking it till you make it, mm-hmm. similar to how you speak with a definitive tone. Um, uh, a lot of times uh, you'll fake it till you make it through associations. So you'll find any ounce of association, like I know someone of someone of, of someone of, of someone yeah. who's the writer for Shonda Rhimes. Like, you so know, I know like, Shonda Rhimes. So I know Shonda Rhimes. And you just, you craft it. You craft that message when you, you speak with uh, directors or whatever to mm-hmm. at least get that one foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to crafting kind of that story. Uh, but I, I see a lot of faking it till they make it examples um, just in theater, um, mm-hmm. definitely in... Um, dancing as well I think it's common because at the end of the day no one cares about the degree you have mm-hmm. um, they care yeah. about how you do and so you're gonna do whatever you can just to get that role or get that yeah. um, part in the show yeah there is in a second if we let's 
I'll share my thought about the fake it part um, where it presents a lot in my world and then maybe we can roll a little bit around. Um, it's To me, it's really tied to confidence and how much confidence you feel like you can display. Because um, there's certainly, you got to have like a set of whatevers to walk into the room and fake it in a certain way. So there's a confidence that you have to have. That doesn't mean you're always confident or that your confidence is really strong, but you somehow managed to muster up enough confidence to get in there and fake it. Um, I One of the ways that it shows up for me is in, and we were talking about this for like two seconds before, is like um, fitness, working out, kind of general wellness of one's body. That doesn't mean always working out, but just body wellness. Um, and I'm certainly a person that works out every day, except for Sundays. Um, and I, that between running and I have a trainer and, uh, I run a lot and I really, really, really like running. Um, and it's hard as shit. Like it is hard. And people are like, you do it. Like you run all the time. It's like, you don't, it's like not work for you. I'm like, first of all, I sweat profusely. Like it's obscene the amount of sweat that I produce. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why that doesn't equal pounds lost, but whatever. <laughs> uh, like as much as I sweat, I should be rail thin, but not. Um, but yeah, like a lot of times, like I ran my first half marathon in, uh, what, was, what is this September? This October now in August. And it was so hard. I finished it because I'll like, be damned if they don't catch me in the picture at the finish line walking. <laughs> um, so, but it is hard. And so there's a level of faking it. Cause sometimes I don't want to, but I know that my body and my mind responds so well to that. Um, and I work out, I usually work out in the morning, um, at like five forty-five. 5.50 in the morning is by the time mm -hmm. I get to the gym. And it is a fake it, like, because sometimes I don't want to be there. But I know that me engaging in that in the morning shapes my entire day. Um, and oddly, when they say you have more energy, at the, like, after you work out, it's so stupid, but it's true. Um, but I have, there's a lot of times when I fake it, like, sometimes I don't want to, I don't want to go to my trainer. But first of all, I've already paid him for the month. Um, so I'm going to follow through on that commitment uh, to myself. But then, like, I have to, you have to go through the motions sometimes in order to kind of spark and, like, really engage in something. So, like, you fake it at the beginning, and then usually you'll get into it by, or my experience is that you'll get into it at some point, you know, within a few minutes or within a few, for me, the first few reps. I'm like, okay, I'm in this. I'm here now. Like, I've already committed to it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, you got to start somewhere. And even if it's that false sense of confidence, like, I'm about to go in and tear this, like, monologue up or... Like, I'm going to start, like, I'm going to get my first smile in and it's going to be really solid and then I'm going to keep going. But you just, sometimes it's taking that first step of like, let me just put the shit on out there and then see what happens as a result of that. Yeah. There, uh, I'm hearing a little bit of two things. It's all about choosing your attitude, choosing mm -hmm. the mentality. And I'm, I'm also hearing affirmations. I yeah. think a lot of times, even if we know we don't have the skill or what it takes you got to repeat this daily affirmation almost to yourself. And for some people, yeah, if you say enough, say something to yourself enough times, you're going to believe it, right? Mm -hmm. Good, bad, or indifferent, but yeah. Right, because <laughs> some people definitely take the bad route. It's like, yeah. you know. I'm like, you shouldn't say that to yourself. Like that. That's never going to be true. But you Like know, that kid who was trying to be a, a doctor at 17 oh, and, and opened up his own he's practice. He's back in the news recently, too. And I was like, can we get a rain on this? And again, oh, why gosh. does he black? Let's just call the shit what it is. I was like, really? Why, yeah. would, why do you have to do this? Uh, who yeah. taught you this? Okay. Yeah, but... 
but the, and that's also that's taking faking it faking it till you make it to a yeah that's too the, far too those far are, and those the are wrong extreme side. lies right but yeah <laughs> daily affirmations and just there's confidence but you have to repeat that to yourself daily mm-hmm. to believe it and then along the way you'll make some mistakes right yeah. you'll fall a little bit you'll learn from them yeah. and that kind of goes back to what I was saying before some people rather than going through the formal training they rather just fake it till you make it and learn from their mistakes mm-hmm. and pick up. Uh, skills and trades of the craft that way versus mm-hmm. formal training. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. Um, I love the stuff that you said about the affirmation piece because I am very much a person who does like daily affirmations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I first started doing they felt really hokey because I was like talking to myself um, in a mirror. Like I read someone they're like, you're supposed to start like talking to yourself in a mirror. And I was like, this feels hokey. And now I don't need the mirror anymore, but I'm certainly, you know, saying those and repeating the mantras in my head as I walk to work or um, if I'm in a tough situation, I sometimes remind myself, well, this is about to be over in five minutes. So girl, be a bad bitch for the next five minutes and then walk out of here with your head held, Mm -hmm. even though you quite possibly did not know what you were talking about and you faked the way through the entire conversation, which I have certainly done or through a meeting. I think it's uh, where people try to do fake it till they make it but it doesn't really work mm-hmm. in this in this particular context anymore is dating and getting to know people. And I would say dating even friends. Um, I don't personally do this anymore, but I'm going to pull from my past way of thinking. Okay. Um, I think we all are in a place where we want to impress others because we're generally interested in them. Or maybe it's just a friend who does something amazing and you just want to be tangentially close to them. So to <laughs> feel like you're at the same... or to make you feel that they feel like you're at the similar intelligence or playing field, you might fake it till you make it so you can get into their worlds a little bit, which is fine. I think uh, this uh, we all should be surrounding ourselves with people we admire and respect. But where it doesn't really, uh, where fake it, fake it till you make it doesn't really apply is, you know, we're trying to impress others, right? And we may say a little white lie here or, Maybe we might do that Google search right beforehand Mm -hmm. and act as if we know what we're talking about. But in those situations, it's going to come out eventually. There's only going to be a... You can only... Yeah, thank you for so long. Right, because the the (laughs) other person who actually knows what they're talking about, who has has a genuine interest in whatever that area is, is going to probably trip you up and you're going to have to be honest, right? Mm -hmm. Um personality too I see this a lot in just like the nightlight scene with the gaze but you know you walk in and from afar and I kind of laugh is you can see everyone trying to put on a show Mm, like first it starts with the outfit okay that's cute you know you won't dress to impress but you can actively see folks who may be in small group conversations and I can tell who's there just to be with their friends and who's there being with their friends, but they're so concerned. There's one eye, eye, right? And they're standing here (laughs) and then they turn away and then, (laughs) and it is just so exaggerated. I don't, I don't see it too much here. I saw all the time in LA and it was so hard to meet genuine people that way because Mm. every, everyone's on display, everyone's manicured, everyone's this and that. Um, and LA is like notorious for fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one yeah. has a resume. Tagline. <laughs> right? So, and it, it doesn't work because then if someone happens to fall for your act yeah. and then they finally meet you, 
then you either are going to struggle trying to keep up that persona, and that can be exhausting for you. Mm-hmm. And then the other person is going to feel deceived. And yeah. when they find out who you really are, yeah, that's when the deception comes in. Um, so I don't. I know people try to apply it to their personal lives, yeah. but that way, but. I don't know that that works. I think maybe like for a little bit, like just to get your your foot in to like start a conversation. Um, but after that, then you're it's gonna quickly go away, like you said, because they're gonna start talking about stuff that you can't relate to, and you you it's weird to Google something in front of someone so that you can stay up with the conversation, especially if they're a new person in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something a second ago that uh, made sense to me. I think for. In my adult life, it has been a challenge to, um, and I'm a hard, like, so at some point we'll talk, I'm sure, about, like, our Myers-Briggs MBTI, um, and I am an I, like, a hardcore I, which is an introvert, um, so as an I, it's hard for me to, like, make friends generally, so if I'm trying to make friends and then fake it into making friends, it's, like, doubly hard, mm-hmm. uh, because I already don't want to talk to somebody. Um, cause I'm fine just with me and my headphones and like, you know, podcast X, well, po- our podcast, first of all, and then, <laughs> that I don't even listen to. Let's keep it real. Um, because one I'm day. already here for the first conversation. Um, one day maybe, uh, but it's hard to like conjure up and get the confidence to talk to people generally. Um, and so for me, I have to certainly, I have a hard time faking it to like start a conversation because I'm just thinking like. What's the first thing that I say that won't make somebody like laugh in my face and run away? Which has never happened. But in my mind, I think I'm going to get in front of someone and say something dumb and they're going to laugh in my face and walk away and be like, oh, what a silly little, you know, a woman. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Again, that's never happened. But in my head, like the diet, like the scene in my head is, is like someone laughing at me because I'm trying to like muster up the confidence to say something. Um, so I have a hard time doing the fake it part because I'm like, I just want, if I feel brave enough to go like try to introduce myself or have a conversation or start like make a new friend or something, then like I have to set a super small goal of like, say hi. And then like, you know, hopefully say something witty and maybe ask a question. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's like the really that's like, real. the little like the vulnerable part of me is like, yeah. I have to like think of the, like in that way of like, Say something, try to be witty because you're generally funny, Shamina. And like ask a question that's pretty general that people, that the, makes the other person want to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, no, I get that. And that, I was definitely in that space before. But now when it comes to forming these relationships with friends or um, more intimate relationships, I'm, I'm just here. Like, if you don't like it, it's not for you, you know? I'm not going to try. Even with starting conversations, I'll just say what I want to say. And if you receive it, you receive it. If you don't, you don't. Um, I think there's value in the fake it till you make it in, in our, some of our professional areas of, of our lives, but not necessarily in our personal lives. For me, my personal life is, it trumps my, my career and... Those are the mo- those are the things that I'm gonna remember on my deathbed. So mm-hmm. I want those moments to be as genuine as possible, mm-hmm. um, and not faking my way through anything because it's gonna bite me um, mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, I have a hard time doing that just because again I don't. I'm already nervous enough, so I don't want to fumble over being like fake in the way that I introduce myself to someone. Right, right. Uh, I find it really interesting just in the that example that you gave 
where that moment would never happen in your professional life because you there's a different level like it's interesting how we we (laughs) (laughs) yeah I wasn't being shady at all it's just uh when we think about how to be a boss in different aspects of our life it's like why is it so easy to be a boss uh in the setting that we go to every day where even yes we're getting paid for it but it's challenging it's hard work versus and there's stakes involved right in the work setting there's no stakes and just asking someone out or trying to start a conversation yet some of us right and I'm just speaking colloquially is that we struggle in the these what should be very simple areas but there is there's a risk in doing that because there's a risk to self there's a risk to to ego and I'm not saying like one's ego could be big but still there's a hit that you take if you like want to um as a non-dating person uh well I'm not dating clearly um but as I think about like trying to make a new friend, there's like, a, for me, there's, it feels risky, like a calculated risk in my mind, but it's still like, are they going to like me? There's a, there's a little kid part that's like, are they going to like me? Like, I right, want to be their right. friend. I want them to be my friend. And I hope that this works. Uh, that's a little, this is a little more vulnerable than I was intending to be today. But there's that, there's that piece of like, I want them to like me. Like, yeah. I'm amazing. Like me damn it. Right. (laughs) I get that. And I just, uh, and this still sticks in my head today, but I got out of that space of the stakes of someone not liking me when, um, my friend told me like, what's the worst that can happen? And I take that with me. (laughs) I take that (laughs) with me all the time when it comes to these relationships with people. And when it comes to asking someone out cold, the worst that can happen is that they say no. Because I would be very, like, mind-boggled if someone actually scoffed at me and said, <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> like, just, who does that, right? Like, and if they did do that, obviously, I shouldn't not be dating them. Yeah. But if someone, if you politely ask someone out and they politely say back no, it's like, okay, right? Same thing with friends is... Uh, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm an introvert too and I don't need a lot of friends and I put myself out there. If they don't receive it, the worst that they can happen is that they ignore me. A lot of people like to be passive and just not respond to texts or phone calls or whatnot. Or, um, but no one's going to like scream and shout and on a megaphone and call you a bitch-ass nigga and all this stuff. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna do that. Like the realest moment ever. <laughs> no one's gonna do that. So, yeah. um, that's yeah. what's worst gonna happen. And when I think about all these other things that, um, personal things that are actual struggles, those are the things that we should be putting our energy towards caring about versus yeah. the simple, um, they said no to my um, friend request. So, um, yeah, that all sounds great and well and. There's a human part that still has a feeling. I yeah. And I, I can own that feeling for myself. There's like, there's certainly if someone, because it was like a year ago, I took a risk and, and tried to reach out to like make a friend. This is, So let me just tell the story real quick. Um, uh, so uh, I'm, not, I'm trying to try not to say the name. So about a year ago, there was a new podcast that started. And I think I told you the story and I won't tell you the name of the podcast okay. or anything. Um, but I reached out to, like, and it was brand new, and I had the very first episode, and I was like, oh my gosh, this person is about something. Um, I, and I knew they lived in the Bay Area, so I was like, ooh, let me, 
let me just take a risk. I'm just going to send an email. Um, and I can be um, generally charming. Of course, in my opinion, I would say I am and fairly witty. And so I was like, let me write something that is, you know, is going to catch someone's eye. Um, lo and behold, it caught the person's eye and they responded. And I damn near shit on myself when they responded. So, because it, it, was, it was a cold email. Like, how would they know me from Susie Q over in the corner? Um, and then I was like, uh, I tend to be a person, if I initiate, like, a, uh, I want to perhaps get a, start a friendship or, like, start a collegial relationship or something like that with somebody that I work with. If I'm making the first, like, overture, then I'm like, can I take you to coffee or tea? I don't drink uh, coffee, but I say coffee because people say that. Yeah. And usually when I'm out, I typically don't drink tea, so I'll have water, whatever. <laughs> uh, it just, who's like, hey, can I take you for water? Because that sounds silly. <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? Um, but yes. uh, initially the person responded was like, sure, that would be great. Let's do da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, holy shit, they said yes. What am I going to talk about? And then I got real nervous. Um, and then the, the day was rolling around and they ended up needed, they were like, oh, somebody's come up with family. I need to cancel. Um, can we reschedule? And I was like, sure. When? And then I heard nothing else after that. Mind you, then like the podcast had got really quick. Their podcast had got uh, swung really hard in the term of like lots of people listening and lots of attention. And I was like, oh, I and then of course, you know, I created this whole story in my head of like, mm -hmm. oh, so now they're famous. So now they can't fuck with me, blah, 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 you know? But it still took a risk to go out and do that. And I was certainly going to fake the, the way through the first part of the conversation because I was so nervous that the person said initially, yes, like, I'd love to. I'm so glad that you listen, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, I got in my feelings, like, for a smooth minute. I and I was like, yeah. fuck this podcast. It's really, <laughs> really what I was saying. And I was like, I'm not going to listen to this shit as I was starting to continue to listen. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, but yeah, so there's a risk there. So there's a humanness That's that true. certainly, yeah. Um, and maybe it was after the getting the initial yes, like I'd love to connect, da da da, and then getting the like, the subtle like, no by not responding. Right. Um, number one, I'm human, so it certainly hurt my feelings. And then I was like, well, fuck you, dude. Like, I, I'm amazing. Like, <laughs> lucky you. I don't didn't waste my time on you, right. mind you. If this person responded to an email now, I'd be like, okay, sure, when? Right. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. Real quick. I hope um, they don't listen to this episode. Right? Um, but I was like, it still had human feelings to it. As much as I was like, uh, like, what were the chances of them responding in the first place? Um, but there was certainly a, oh, that kind of sucked afterward. Yeah, you know? of course. Clearly, I'm not fully through with it. Um, but it was, a, it was a great story to 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 think about and like to uh, maybe a year and some later to kind of jump back to of uh, just putting it out there. Mm -hmm. Um which is another thing for the post-it. Like, sometimes you just have to put the shit on out there. True. So, Very true. Yeah, we're going to post it that one. <laughs> yeah, we got lots of thoughts on that. Lots of thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very productive conversation. I, I think... Any kind of take-home points, you think? Um, let's see. Take-home points. Um, I think that everybody, to a degree, is faking it in some way, shape, or form. Um, personally, professionally... I think it's just inevitable to start with um, because typically most things that you start, you don't know what you're doing anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of have to fake it and feel your way through. So maybe, mm -hmm. maybe fake it till you feel it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but you're kind of like nuzzling in to be like, oh, how does this work? But let me not do this. Let me do this. Let yeah. Me, you know, you fake it until it, um, you find your groove, I think. 
Yeah, I so. like that. Fake it till you find your groove until yeah. you make it. Because sometimes you find... I like. I think I mentioned this earlier. I think it's a tool. It's a development tool mm-hmm. um, that you use for yourself. I think we live in this world where you know you have to fall in these certain skill categories in order to be in this position or be in this part of your life or be qualified for whatever. Mm-hmm. When I think we're in a generation where we're trying to uh, destroy all those boundaries and expectations, mm-hmm. and we fake it a little bit because how else are we going to know whether it's right for us? Yeah. Or if yeah, um, it's not, and I just yeah. need to get out of it and try something different. Yeah. Um, allow us to be human and try these things out. I don't think the traditional old model of um, knowing whether you're an expert or know, knowing whether it's right for you from the very beginning mm-hmm. works or yeah. is appropriate. Yeah. Well, and some people that it certainly works for. Like, some people, they like you, they know what it is, and then they, they go and do. So I think it probably... While it's probably not the norm and we don't see it as much, mm-hmm. I think there's certainly still people that find out there, they find their niche and they stick with their niche because right. they, they were lucky enough, I will say, or fortunate enough for like the combination of timing, mm-hmm. preparation, blah, 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 all that met up and they found it early on and they can go and run with it. I don't know many people like that. I am not one of those people myself. Right. Um, Trump is definitely not one of them because uh, he's just faking it. Uh, Ivanka's daddy, who I won't say the name of, but yeah, yeah, um, he's not even faking it well, so that's the like yeah. e- at least be somewhat reasonable, like convince me a little bit. And the worst actor award yeah. goes to yeah, uh, yeah. Anyways, all right, we're gonna wrap it up here and take a break. or give our feedback or advice about, uh, you can hit us up at our email at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. So that's H-E-A-D-B-O-S-S podcast um, at gmail.com. And you might just hear your question on the next episode. Um, so just to jump right in it, I was uh, uh, talking to a friend who's also a listener and um, one question that she has, and it's pretty short, um, but she was looking kind of for some feedback on how to deal with this. Um, it's essentially how, how, and I'll ask, I'll just kind of frame it to you. How do you work with someone um, or communicate someone in a work, with someone in a work setting who provides too much context? So does that make sense? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm all laughing because one of my fellow... Yeah, one of my fellow pe- <laughs> <laughs> my fellow um, coworkers got that piece of feedback recently. Okay, and we both laughed because I didn't find anything particularly wrong with that, but I do have a shady interpretation of what that actually means. Okay, um, go for it. So I think someone who provides to uh, there are different types of communicators. Uh, there's actually this test that you can take. It's uh, similar to MBTI. Mm-hmm. Um, the one type of communicator is all about um, facts, right? One communicator is uh, they're um, more written, and then there's okay. verbal and whatnot. But mm-hmm. there is one communicator called the storyteller. Okay, right? make, that you don't even have to explain it. But and it says everything. And I think the the shady interpretation of 
uh, you provide too much context is you talk too much and you need to get straight to the point. Okay, that's an, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I, when I hear this question, I want to hear a little bit more. Like what, it, what specifically is this person providing too much context for? Because in my organization, context is very key because we have a lot of history but unfortunately, not a lot of it is documented. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of questions. Why, why is it this way? Why, um, why did we make this decision 10 years ago? It's not documented. So with all these new leaders in the organization, it's important to know the context before we jump the gun and make a new decision. Mm, okay. Um, and my thoughts are, um, I'm not a person who typically has a great appreciation for a lot of context. Um, I tend to be like, give me the like 60 second to two minute story of what I need to actually know so that I can wrap my mind around that. Um, I also currently work in an organization where we don't, there's not a lot of documentation or, and there's a lot of oral history being passed and that history has changed from person to person and t- the same history, but it looks different depending on the person <laughs> telling the story. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so I don't generally need a, I'm not generally a person who needs a lot of context. So for me, um, and sometimes it is like the person just talks too much. Like I sit down and I ask you one question and then 15 minutes later, I'm like, what was the answer? What was my question? And then what was the answer? Mm-hmm. Um, so one way, um, kind of as a, a, a fairly practical person, I think about, um, if I go into a conversation or a meeting or if I need something from someone or some information um, and I'm aware that there's too much context that this person always provides, I'll say, you know, can you give me like the shortened version? Like I've got about three minutes. I'm not even going to sit down during this conversation because that's how much I'm like moving, you know, from, you know, project to project or conversation or whatnot. And I say, can you just give me like the bare bones of what I need to know? And if there's something that I feel like I'm missing in terms of being able to make a decision or to move forward, um, then I'll circle back around and let you know. But mm-hmm. if you can just give me the short of, like, legitimately the nuts and bolts of what I need to know, that would be super helpful. Yeah. Um, I think this person should ask their supervisor for, to be more specific. I think um, as a supervisor, I, I think that's a terrible piece of feedback. I would uh, not the, the – I'm criticizing the statement, how you're mm-hmm. choosing to frame that because mm-hmm. it's so vague. Um, provide the examples as a supervisor of what you really mean. And if you're the type of person and the, the employee is the type of person to just be straight up with and just say, yeah, you, you know, when we're asking for really brief responses from you, you take up half the meeting time with all your, your um, with providing too much context. And therefore we can't move forward with the meeting because you're taking mm-hmm. up too much time. I rather hear that personally for me, maybe it doesn't work for other supervisors, <laughs> but I would like to hear that and also say that to someone if that was the real issue, mm-hmm. um, because just writing that in an evaluation or just saying it out loud is, uh, it's so it's so professionally curated mm-hmm. <laughs> that it doesn't have any meaning unless you provide context for <laughs> yeah. what you're um, providing too much context for, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, and the thing that I was like, this wasn't in an email or me, she was just wondering how, mm-hmm. like, how do you communicate with someone who talks too much, gives too much context, whatever the case may be. So I don't know. It wasn't in the eval to my knowledge. Okay. Um, so I don't know that it was any sort of formal thing. She's just like, they give me too much backstory. Like, I don't need to know the last 10 years of what we did. Right. Yeah, because we, <laughs> we don't use the same systems. Like, you're the last person standing of that group. Mm-hmm. We're trying to move in this direction. Um, and I'm looking for perhaps a specific piece of information. 
Now, uh, I've been so good at shutting down people who <laughs> provide too much context. I, I, it's actually fun for me. Like, when I look around the room and I see people rolling their eyes, I'm like, okay, great. I'm just going to cut them off because I'm not the only person feeling this way. But a place where you Talk should about never... Talk okay. <laughs> I'm just going to cut them off because I know everyone feels this way. Right. Maybe they have something in their eye. But, okay. <laughs> but a place that I advise that one really never needs to provide context for is an interview. I've been in so many interviews where no matter how many times at the beginning of the interview you say, or beginning of the question you say, give me a brief, yeah. fill in the blank, yeah. or provide a brief couple of examples People will go on and on and on, and then they'll. And then what really <laughs> gets me is they'll stop halfway through the story, and they'll realize, oh my gosh, they don't even have the context for the organization I'm talking about. So mm. they'll stop and go way back to the beginning of time, and I'm just just don't give context in interviews. Wait for the interviewer to ask you if they really are interested. Like mm-hmm. oh, um, like for example, I would ask. Um, how big was your last organization and how many people directly reported to you? Because sometimes they'll give an example about a very specific work example and mm-hmm. I want to get an idea of the capacity of the situation. So I'll ask that question if I need to know it. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to tell me, you know, in the year 1904, <laughs> this organization started yeah. and grew to this and this is why I'm here today. Yeah. <laughs> it's not important. Just really be brief and concise and practice being yeah. concise. I would agree. No qualms on that. Um, so hopefully uh, our listener friend in the Midwest uh, found this response to be helpful, at least gave you some tips and tricks of how to uh, work, go about communicating with um, someone who provides too much context in your, uh, based on the example that you provided. So yeah. Um, again, if you have questions, hit us up at headbosspodcast at gmail.com and you just might hear your question um, the next time we record. boss. Uh, I have a lot to be proud of and um, I think I have two. <laughs> I, I'll do my two. I have two. I just have okay. to say both of them. Um, do you have one or two? I have one. Okay. Um, I think you, you went first last time so I can go first. Go for it. So uh, just this is just an incredible year 2016. Um, oh which reminds me you should probably have like a 2016 at the end of the year do like a a year of boss ass bitches okay. review. Yeah, I think, but, I think we can manage a whole episode of that. That would be great. But yeah, this year and also the season, maybe this month, is just a great time for black people. So um, yesterday, oh, not yesterday, uh, <laughs> on Friday, October 1st, um, sorry, I don't even know my calendar. Yeah, I was like, that was... On Friday, September 30th, uh, my best friend Solange Knowles dropped <laughs> so an album... Called A Seat at the Table. And I knew this was coming. Um, there was mm-hmm. some news about it earlier in the week. And then everyone's just like waiting for the album. I mean, this girl has been working hard. She hasn't dropped an official LP since um, the like almost six years ago. Like 2010, 2011. She dropped an EP called True. 
um, which was great, um, and really established her new sound and also her new sound with her new record label, record label called St. Heron. Um, but it's a called to see Epic Table. You need to go listen to it. It's free on Spotify, um, but please download it. Please throw all your money towards this record label and Solange. Um, it is so black. It is so, um, I guess, chill would be a nice, uh, would be an appropriate word for the mood of the music. Um, but it, it, it's very laid back. It's chill. It's um, erythrial. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it connects to a lot of her um, love and roots and kind of like actual R&B, like blues, soul, but it has that ethereal, I can't say the word yeah, again, I hear you. but yeah, it has that sound. Um, it's very honest, it's very blunt, and I'm very excited to read more about the meaning behind all these songs. Um, I uh, just saw an, an interview that she did. Um, that got published, and I have it saved on my Safari tab. I'm going to read it soon. But um, I glanced through it, and she was in a really dark place in her life. And this music comes from that dark place. Um, but it's great. Uh, a Seat at the Table. It, it's beautiful. The interludes, oh my gosh. I, I'm a fan of interludes ever since Janet <laughs> would do all those interludes in between songs. But she really adds some really great narratives so that seems to be the word <laughs> Check another. right in between the songs and I'm just proud of her and I'm also proud of like going back back to why she's a boss is she's left the shadow of her sister Beyonce such a long time ago and I'm just so so happy that now that people are not have stopped comparing them Beyonce is in her own lane and Solange sings a genre of music that Beyonce doesn't even touch it's just not her thing and she, she understands that as an indie artist, this is her element, and she's proud of it, and she has a following, and I just love it. So please listen to A Seat at the Table. And because I'm greedy, I'm going to do another boss-ass bitch. Okay. Um, so my girl, I have a lot of best friends in the industry, Issa Rae. That don't have your best friends, but okay. Issa, Issa Rae, um, who I hope a lot of you know, but if not, she was known several, several years ago for um, starting this popular YouTube series called The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. Uh, and about two years ago, I would say end of 2014, top of 2015, there were rumors that this was going to be turned into a show. And then slowly and slowly, we heard that Shonda Rhimes was going to be the mastermind behind producing it. Um, and then we heard HBO picked it up. And now it's here. Um, October 9th is the premiere date of this awesome show called Insecure loosely based off of the show um, that she had on YouTube. And to my surprise, I was just scrolling through my HBO Go app because I was just going to look up and watch a movie. And I saw that they um, already posted the first episode of Insecure. So by the time you hear this episode, <laughs> Insecure would have already officially premiered. But um, I watched it. I have not laughed so hard in a long time. Um, all the things that we were talking about in today's episode about faking it till you make it, mm -hmm. that defines her, um, oh, yeah. Lisa and her best friend as they navigate work life and all the other lives, ooh, the other, sorry, all their other, um, areas of their lives. Um, one of my favorite moments is, um, she's just introducing herself. The whole show is narrated by her internal voice. And so she's in this classroom. She works with a nonprofit that helps disenfranchised youth right? And get them connected mm -hmm. to resources to get them to college. And so she's not being treated really well. The kids are just asking her dumb questions and not questions about how she can really help their future. Mm -hmm. 
And then, um, then it goes, it flips to her friend Molly. And so she's like, no one really likes me, but everyone loves Molly. And so you have Issa, who's in her natural hair, her fro, and then it flips to Molly, who has this long black weave, is in, <laughs> in the boardroom, and she's doing hella code switching. And she's just like, am I right? And she makes this like very cheesy business joke, and all these white men at the table are like laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but they're best friends, and they recognize that, and... It's just two ty- like two of many different types of personalities that black women can identify. And I think they purposely chose the extremes mm-hmm. um, so that they can touch upon many topics. Because although she's a boss at, Molly's a boss at work, she's not a boss when it comes to relationships. And Issa, in a very awkward way, kind of navigates the relationship scene more successfully than her, okay. but in a very awkward way. So... I, I, like, was taking mental notes, and I wrote down, like, 30 topics that I've constantly heard my black female friends talk about in terms of um, how they live their lives, things that I've experienced myself, because I relate to um, Issa's character in some way. It's just a, a genius show, and I cannot wait to see the rest of it, because it's funny, it's very educational, it's relatable, and I need all the white people to watch it, too, because it's not just for black people. Um, <laughs> and we, need, we need everyone to know... Um, the things that are going on there. So Issa Ray is my boss ass bitch of not the week, but boss ass bitch of the month. Okay. Um, she's awesome. I'm just so proud of her. She's only like 29 and she's come a long way. So nice. Um, her book is also hilarious. Um, oh, right, right. I have her book. I went to her book signing in Palo Alto, like maybe a year and some, like right after it came out, um, she did a book signing at a small independent bookstore and she is as hilarious and she reads like, a chapter of the book so the like the voiceover part that she does for the show that I will probably watch a little later um tonight uh she reads from the book in the way that you hear her talk like the voiceover for the YouTube series mm-hmm. and it's hilarious like the book is just generally really really funny because you see her reading it and you see her experiencing these things so I am a huge fan um and like I said the book is funny as shit um, I think I may reread it because it, it basically goes from like her childhood up until um, her early adulthood. And it is, it's just funny. It's mm-hmm. funny, but it's kind of dry funny, but funny nonetheless. Yeah. So uh, if you don't have HBO, go, well, first of all, find it and get somebody's password. Um, right. Because <laughs> uh, then family plan. Be, right. Um, <laughs> and or read her book or watch a YouTube series. It's free, but yeah. it's hilarious. So good. All right. I took up a lot of time. Yes, you did. And that's okay. <laughs> Your turn. Um, wow, you did. Um, so my, uh, let's see, boss ass bitch is um, another podcaster. Uh, her name is Myleek Teal. She is the owner, CEO, CEO, owner, whatever, of Curlbox, which is a, a box subscription, kind of like, like a birch box, okay. but for black women. Um, around hair care and skin care, um, but specifically designed for black women. I'm sure other people can use the products and whatnot. I don't know if they'll have the same effect. Uh, but uh, she has a podcast called My Taught You. She has, um, she doesn't do a lot of speaking, at least not on the, the West Coast that I hear of. Um, but her podcast is so good. Like, I fucking love it. Mm. Um, she just finished like the first hundred episodes, her first hundred episodes, and she's been podcasting since like 2011. And I was like, I didn't even have an iPhone then. I had, I was still in the droid land. Um, but she's like my age. Um, so just about starting of her late thirties, um, has worked in the entertainment industry, but behind the scenes, not like in front of the camera at all. 
Um, but she's so, she's like super no nonsense. She just gives the shit to you real. Um, she drops gems like nobody's business. Like even on her Snapchat, I'm like, is it weird to like, you know, screenshot like the shit that she says? Like she'll like type something and then like, you know, paste it in there. And I'll be like, damn, this is a gem and this was free. Um, not that she should start charging, but, uh, I just love her approach to things. And she talks about business. She talks about relationships. She talks about friendships. Uh, she talks about being a boss, um, okay. and not a girl boss because what the fuck is a girl boss as opposed to a boss? Um, so she talks a lot about that and about, you know, the ups and downs of running her own business. She talks about, um, the shit she doesn't have time for, but it's in a really, um, unassuming, no nonsense kind of way. And I just, her approach is just very relatable. It's like your home girl, you know? Mm. Um, and she's, to me, she's a little bit nerdy and I love that. Like she's really into books. Um, and she gives a lot of, um, recommendations for books and entrepreneurial um, books, workshops, etc. She just started having people on her show to interview them. She's like, but I will only interview people that I've actually met and talked to before. Not okay. like I got connected with somebody who knew somebody who knew, you know, Nini. Um, but uh, <laughs> Nini leaks. And I say that because she used to work for Kim Zolziak. Uh, Miley Teal did. Oh, yeah. So I think I know who you're talking um, about. But it's not the messy one. Not the not the messy black woman that was on. You said Kim Zosliak. I know yeah. who you're saying. Oh, I thought you were talking about like Molly Teal. I was like, she was never on the show. She worked for Kim before she got big. Yeah, so oh, not, not the messy one whose name the, I can't remember. Gotcha. Uh, um, yeah. No, not her. Because I was like, please don't confuse her with her. Right. Um, but yeah, I just love how she approaches things and she's honest. And she just comes at you with like, like look girl kind of conversation. Um, and so she's my boss ass bitch. Uh, her podcast is called... Uh, my taught you so M Y and then T A U G H T Y O U. Um, so if you look that up, or if you look at her up by her name on the podcast, um, she's got a hundred of them, um, and legit they're all good and they're basically timeless. Mm. Um, there's stuff about entrepreneurship, there's stuff about relationships, friendships. Um, she gives uh, sound advice that you like. Well, no, she didn't. She don't even know me, and she just told. She just read me. Um, but I just really enjoy her. Um, and I wish she would do more stuff. Uh, I'm hoping at some point she'll go on tour so I can catch her, but like, she's just the realest shit. Like even her tweets are like good. <laughs> Dang. Like, <I'm> like, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll make sure to put the information on this podcast yeah. highlight in our, the description on our SoundCloud and iTunes, um, pages. So yeah, that's all the time we have. Yeah. Um, but another great conversation. Yeah. Do you want to tell them where they can find us? Yes. So... Um, follow us on all our social media outlets. Um, of course, you can email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook by searching for headbosspodcast. Follow us on Twitter um, at our handle, which is at headbosspod, P-O-D. Uh, and uh, that's it for now. Yeah. So, all right. That's it. Y'all take care. Bye. Fresh out of jail already in your house.